Well, hey, you guys, welcome to Salt Company. Welcome to Praise and Panels. Our panelists are joining me. I'll let them introduce themselves in just a second, but just want to say welcome. Glad you're here. My name's Kyler. If we haven't gotten the chance to meet, we're excited to, uh, yeah, start Praise and Panels. This is the, the second annual two-part series, Praise and Panels. All right. Well, I would love to just go down the line. You guys can introduce yourselves, say, yeah, your name, what you do for work, maybe even uh, your favorite part about your job, and then how long you've been at Veritas. My name is Sunny Holub, and I'm Associate Director of Annual Giving at Cornell College. Um, until tomorrow, I'm actually, tomorrow's my last day at Cornell, so I'll be moving to Director of Development at Bridgehaven Pregnancy Support next week. But the best, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, but the best part of my job is the students. Like, I love being on a college campus. My job doesn't do, there isn't a lot of interaction with students. I raise money with alumni and um, friends of the college, but I do as much as I can to interact with college students because it's hard to be a college student, a Christian, Christ-following college student on a liberal arts campus, and so um, I love interacting with students in that capacity. My name is Kelsey Huber. I am a nurse at St. Luke's. I'm the nurse manager on the inpatient rehab unit. Um, so I uh, manage a team of people to um, help them get to their most independent state after they've been through some sort of trauma or crisis. Hi. <laughs> Piper works for me. <laughs> um, so the part I love about my job is uh, getting to see people um, get better. They get better. They come to us. They've just had a stroke. They've been in a car accident. They've had burns happen to them, and we help them get back to the state of health that they're hoping to be in. So that's very, very rewarding for me. Yeah, my name's Garrett Hufford. Um, I sell dental stuff. So like, probably have the, yeah, sweet, thank you. Yeah, I have like, like the least teeth, like important job of anybody up here. Like Kelsey's over here saving lives and I'm just slinging toothpaste. So that's what I do. So no, I, um, I, I sell like anything in a dental office. I help build dental offices and uh, throughout like all of uh, Eastern Iowa. So that's what I do. I've been, and then you said how long we've been at Veritas. Yeah. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> oh, whoops. Hey. <laughs> I was waiting um, to see who was going to just like throw the rest of them under the bus. You forgot. Yeah, I did it, apparently. <laughs> so, uh, so I've been uh, ever since we were in Iowa City. So my wife and I, we've been um, part of Veritas uh, like as a group for almost probably uh, 11, 11 or 12 years now. Cool. So. I'm Jeff Meyer. Um, I work at BAA Systems as an engineer, so I've always been a nerd, and now I get paid to be a nerd, so that's pretty cool. Um, but uh, yeah, we've been um, here at Veritas for almost eight years now. Uh, my favorite part of my job is actually not part of what I actually get paid for. It's mentoring uh, new employees and mentoring other people. So mm. I'm currently mentoring four people, and we can talk about that a little bit later, but awesome. that's pretty fun. Yeah. Well, let's maybe start kind of broadly, and we'll work in from there. What just kind of in general terms, do you think it, it looks like to glorify God in the workplace with, with the job that you have? Am I going first? Okay. Um, and I've been at Veritas since 2016, so sorry I missed that. Um, there are so many ways to glorify God at work. I think it's really easy to get stuck in the the details of, of the job that you have before you and forget that God is always there. Like what we do, we're to be glorifying the Lord in all of the things that we do. Um, so whether that's having conversations um, with coworkers or students for me or interacting with donors, um, I try to think about, I try to um, always think about glorifying the Lord in my speech and my actions in um, the effort that I put into my work. Um, there is a lot of gossip that happens in the workplace, just like there is a lot of gossip that happens in regular life. And so I find that that's one of the hardest things to navigate is trying to 
steer clear of or redirect conversations when people start to grumble or start to um, talk poorly about other people because it happens all the time. And so um, I really try to redirect those conversations and not get sucked into those and just remember that everything that I'm doing, I'm doing to the glory of God. Yeah, I would echo that. There's, um, there's a term that some of my nurses have been throwing around that's called silent quitting. And I guess it's this thing where you find out the very minimum of what you have to do to like still be employed at your job and you just do that. And you don't give any extra effort towards, um, towards the cause of what you're doing. And so in my line of work, that's pretty dangerous, right? Like, okay, it's great that we're doing like the bare minimum, but is that what we really want in like a patient experience? So um, it's, uh, it can be hard to kind of stand out in that, but it can also be really, really fun to work really hard and have fun doing it and see like immediate, um, like immediate gratifica gratification from that and then also long-term um, Sometimes just like the thing that you do, but also the people that you do that with, you'll be able to build on that um, by having integrity in what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. And I would say um, thinking through, if we, I think it's hard to uh, put in words, but you think of like, there is an actual theology of work, right? Like mm -hmm. how, we, how we think about our work in light of who God is, right? And so if I know that God is sovereign, then I know that where I am, like God has placed me there, right? And I think that that should, uh, almost kind of to Kelsey's point, that sense of, oh, like I, I'm to work, even I think we we're gonna talk about Colossians 2, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but like work as if for the Lord, Right, and there's a sense of that should quelch any uh, any sort of like laziness or um, just a general like we uh, even what Summer was talking about. I think of like grumbling. Um, I was even just even as we were worshiping, like convicted of my own sin in that of like so we've got this new comp plan that's coming out. Everybody's mad about it. All right, nobody's happy about it. And, um, you know, I, I get on the phone with my boss, who is also my brother-in-law, and I'm like, dude, like, what are, what are we doing here? You know, and like going off on all of these reasons why, like, this is just not good for anybody. And, um, and then to like, to be confronted with that and be like, man, I, I sound ungrateful. I sound like, and it's not just that I sound, I am ungrateful, right? And you think of like, what does grumbling really do? I'm discontent with what God has given me, right? And I think to be able to, to say, all right, how does, how does my own sin and my affect the way that I go into work every day? And, um, and my coworkers see that, right? My coworkers see how I respond to these kinds of things. My coworkers see how I respond to other people um, in our job. And I can either go along uh, with them uh, and or I can actually be a light and salt in that um, in that relationship. So, so show of hands, how many of you are under 28 years old? Okay, that's how long I've been at my current job. So, yeah, I've been there 28 years. Um, my daughter calls me a one-hit wonder because I've had one job, one car, one wife, one all this stuff, right? One house, one whatever. So. <laughs> And my daughter's about your guys' age, so that's that's that. <laughs> no, right? Uh, one shirt, but but um, no. One of the things that I've learned in 28 years is you kind of want to be the person who people trust and who people can go to, um, which is why uh, one of the gals in our office, she's a manager, and she came to me the other day, and she's like, you know, there's a guy who is really struggling with some stuff, and I think he needs a good person to talk to, and I think you're that person to talk about Jesus with him. And I'm like, well, that doesn't happen often in a secular business, so take advantage of that. But that's 28 years of just kind of knowing people and talking to people and hanging out with people and just being relational. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, Garrett, you mentioned like what Paul says in Colossians. Let me just read that for us. And I think we just like jumped right in. I realized I probably didn't tell you what we're talking about is glorifying God at work. And so you probably figure that out. I know you're smarter than me. But um, one of the reasons why I'm excited about this conversation is many of you are already working, but then also like 
you're all at some point, I think, going to have some form of a job, even if that's after college. I don't think you should plan on just playing video games in your mom's basement, dudes. Um, so, like, th let, me, let me read Colossians 3, and then, and then we'll keep going. This is what it says, verse 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So, yeah, Garrett had also mentioned how in, in basically like every, you know, area of our life, um, what God says should shape that. And so there's this theology of work, like God, what God says about who we are and what we're supposed to do in our work needs to transform us. And I also just want to say like some of what is so um, needed, I think, to like start this conversation is that like there's not some like hierarchy of like what kind of job is more spiritual or more pleasing to the Lord. Like being in a vocational ministry job is not somehow like a more spiritual job than selling dental stuff if you're doing it for the glory of God. God's put people in each of these people's lives that like don't know Jesus. What an opportunity they have to be an ambassador for his sake. So yeah, how do you guys like begin to even establish relationships with your coworkers? Um, I, well, I mean, I think obviously you have to be personable and want to have relationships with people. And like Garrett said, when, when you recognize like you, God has put you where he has called you. And so that it can become a mission field or, um, opportunity to develop relationships with people in order to share the gospel or to be there for someone when they need, when they need somebody, um, like I said, I'm tomorrow is my last day at Cornell, and I, we had a lunch with my team today, and there were a lot of tears, and it was really sweet to just like listen to people reflect back to me, um, Christ that they saw Jesus through me in different situations, and um, you know, one of my coworkers, she right when we we started working at the same time, and her mother was diagnosed with cancer. And she came into my office and after she found out and she started to cry and we went and we had like hot chocolate. I totally forgot about it. I didn't even remember this. And this was something that she brought up and she's like, and you prayed with me and you shared Christ with me and you were the only person in, in our whole department who did that. And working in a liberal arts school, there are very few Christ followers um, in, in that higher education place. And so just really trying to demonstrate Jesus to people around me and um, not be afraid to ask people about what their faith looks like if they have a spiritual life at all. Um, it's challenging and can be scary, but if you put, if you fear the Lord over other people, then it makes it easier. If I'm, if I'm worried about the reaction someone's going to have, if I ask questions about their faith, that might stop me, but if I feel prompted by the Lord and I know that I'm um, working for him, then it's easier to do. I'll break it up so that we don't feel like we have to go like in a line <laughs> the entire time. Um, but I, I would say too, there's a there's a genuineness to that should be apparent in like the way that we love people, right? And um, there's uh, when I think of uh, like ways that we can do that, um, I think. I've, I've tried if like I know of somebody who has like a family member who has passed away, I will try my hardest to be at the visitation, right? Um, I've gotten to like be at the hospital when like clients of mine have had babies, right? And stuff like that where it's like there is a, a level of like I'm just doing this because I, because I, I love you and care about you as a person. Um, and that, that sh there should be a genuineness that comes like from us, and that really should look different than the world, right? And there's, um, I even think, um, Carly and I brought dinner to a couple of clients, and that seems normal to like us within the church. It's like, oh yeah, you just like you set up meals for people, like that's just what you do. And then like in like in the real world, that's like does not happen. Like, people don't just buy people dinner for their family. And it's just ways that we can show um, a genuine love and care for people um, that we work with uh, that can go above and beyond. And, um, and with the purpose of showing the love of Christ, it's not just to, like, to be a nice person. We talk about, out, about it with our kids often. There is a difference between 
being kind, and being nice, right? Yeah. Nice is like a, is kind of a facade. It's kind of like a, a f at face value. And kind is, we always tell our kids like, being kind is looking for ways to serve other people. So it's like I am proactively searching for ways to serve other people. And I think approaching like those who we work with in that way is, uh, is only going to benefit you. <laughs> so. Do you want to go last this time? Sure. <laughs> okay, we're still going boy, boy, and then last, so whatever. But uh, um, so uh, the place where I work is full of engineers, right? And engineers have a stereotype of not being very personable or not being very relational or not whatever. And, uh, and so that's kind of true. Um, there's a joke that says, how do you know if an engineer is an extrovert? If he looks at your feet when he's walking down the hall rather than his. So that's how you know, right? So we have a lot of those kind of people in our building. So striking up conversations with those people is kind of hard sometimes. But, but being around them, working with them, helping them, mentoring them, uh, just talking um, about whatever uh, can break down some of those walls and, and help you get a foot in the door for actually having real conversations that matter. So. So nurses are the opposite of that, and they are mostly like super emotional people. And so like you start talking about one thing and they're all going to chime in on how they feel about it. So um, that's kind of fun to be able to work in that kind of environment. Um, when I first started at St. Luke's, I worked um, directly with the patients and then I became a supervisor. And so I was working less with the patients and quickly my patients became my team and I was able to like exponentially affect the, the people, the patients that came in by making sure that my team was supported. And so that was part of how I was able to build relationships being on a team. A team is not one person. If you're gonna walk into those kind of situations that um, people come to the hospital for, it's very, very scary to do that alone. Um, but if you're on a great team and you've built those relationships, you can face you know things like a pandemic and um, be able to have some really hard conversations with people um, every day about what's going to happen next, um, what you can be afraid of, what you don't need to be afraid of, and then kind of build that relationship and keep building upon it. I think my boss during the pandemic, she was really, really struggling at that time to cope with everything that was going on. And she was coaching me professionally about how to be raised up to be a manager, but I was coaching her at the same time about how to cope with that because this is not who we are. We are not just nurses. Our, who, where is our identity at? And I think that's kind of where we'll talk about some things later too. Like my end all be all is not being a nurse. What is my end all be all? To glorify God. So. What am I going to do even when my boss says this or society says this or Facebook says this or the pandemic is telling me this? Um, how am I going to weather those pendulum swings back and forth? It's because my identity is grounded in God. And I think in, in that too, like, um, you know, uh, Michael on Sunday asked, like, how many people have, like, came to Jesus through suffering? And, um, you know, and you saw it, like, in the congregation, like, a lot of people, a lot of people raised their hands. And I, I was thinking, you were just talking about the pandemic, and, I, you know, for all of the, the crap that happened with regard to that, it did uniquely set up a lot of really great conversations, um, you know, because you're like, I'm, I'm, like, see, I have a different hope that's grounded in something different than my job, than my income, than my success, like, or, or should, right? Like, we, we should. And thinking through, like, conversations I got to have during that, during that time with coworkers, I'm saying, like, look, man, like, if anything, this should show us, we got a 30% pay cut. Like, this should show us that at any time, like, we are not in control, right? But, like, I, but who is, you know? And I think that that allowed, allowed me to have like deeper conversations with with guys like that are not Christians on my like on like throughout the country uh, that I work with and it, like those conversations still continue of like being able to say like hey remember that remember that like 
and um, and that it's the answer is not in our success. The answer is not in the money that we make. It's in Christ, mm-hmm. and um, to be able to like give a better hope, yeah. right? Like we are we are tasked with the, like the message that is a better hope than what money success provides, right? Yeah, that's good. What would you say to a student or someone who's working right now, or maybe someday will work in a job where they're told you can't share the gospel, like don't bring Jesus into this workplace, what would you say? You don't all have to answer, by the way, but certainly can. I feel like that's my whole experience working at Cornell, um, especially within the last few years with like social justice and diversity, equity, and inclusion, and all of these um, trainings that they have mandated that we go through. Um, and and any opposition to or any challenging or questioning of the curriculum and the conversations that we have brings extreme scrutiny mm. um, and was hard, like incredibly hard. I definitely stuck out from everyone and would um, many times challenge some of the ideas that were set before us, but remembering that sharing the truth in love, like it's one thing to stomp my foot and be obstinate and rude and it's another to just genuinely ask questions and to kind of um, in love just share a different point of view. It's a f- super fine line um, in, in certain situations and so being, what is the term, um, wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove, right? Just like really trying to um, trust in the Lord in that, but as Garrett said again, like being loving, being kind, and having built relationships with people, they know who I am. They know that my heart is kind and loving, and and and, and therefore they'll listen to me a little bit more. But it's really challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reminded of uh, of Titus too, uh, the, and it's it's kind of going through like, hey, older men. Teach younger, uh, teach younger men, older women, teach younger women, and it kind of goes through, and it says, the last one is bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters and everything. They're to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior, right? There's a level of, like, to, to hold him up in high esteem. So I think that there's, there's, there's times where it's like, I, if I'm in a job like that, Maybe I do need to look for another job. Like uh, that's, I think that's a really real, that's a really real mm-hmm. thing. It's like if I, if I'm going to lose my job for like speaking to a coworker about Jesus, like that's probably I, I, I can't live out of what God's called me to. Yeah. Right. And so I think there's probably some really serious questions that you need to need to have, um, and uh, and need to be answered in that um, as well. So I think. The easy thing is like the easy thing is to be silent in those in those situations and just be like, well, you know, just kind of take a step back. Um, I I do think that uh, to see God work through um, uh, a situation in Iowa City, one of the elders down there, Brad Verkler, um, he was uh, he's uh, the gymnastics coach for the University of Iowa, and he was taking students to salt on Thursday night. And the, uh, and the students were asking him to like drive them. So they, would, they, were, um, they, were, uh, they were not from America and they were like international students coming in and they were like, hey, I don't have a car, can you drive me? And uh, he would drive them every Thursday. The university finally said, no, you cannot drive them to Salt Company. You cannot drive them to church. They cannot go to church with you. And he's like, I'm not gonna stop doing it. <laughs> right? Like, they're asking me. I'm not coercing them. Like, I love the Lord. They love the Lord. We, I'm going to drive them to church. And he got fired, right? And, um, and in that, he's like, I could have gone with, like, an, a discrimination suit or whatever. But at the same time, he's like, I, I got to share in the sufferings of Christ, mm. <laughs> right? Mm. Like, so I think that there's, in some of those situations, yeah. maybe you need to find another job. Maybe you also just need to be gentle, not argumentative, right, but also live out of what Christ has called you to. Yeah, Yeah, I think there's a lot of circumstances where you can share your faith um, 
or where even a lot of us should share our faith and we don't, but the times that we do, it's not even necessarily saying like, what did Jess say? Dropping a J bomb or whatever. Like, there's a, Jess would say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that you can um, you can show that um, you can show the love of Christ without necessarily talking about Jesus. And people will come and ask you about it. And that's the that's the power of God moving through what you're doing. And so. Number one, praying for your coworkers because if God's putting it on your heart to pray for them and to soften your heart to share with them, he's probably also working on them. Um, so, and then also doing your best to take those opportunities. Um, when I worked more with the patients and I was working more night shifts, there was a lot of opportunities where you're sitting up at two o'clock in the morning with your coworkers and there was a lot of people that like, lived a very, very different lifestyle than I did, and they would ask a lot of questions to me, and then I would listen openly to them, and we had a lot of faith conversations about that. Um, nothing necessarily came to fruition in those cer certain circumstances, but, you know, we're taking care of people at the end of their life, and we're able to say, like, well, what do you think happens to you when you're going to die? You know, like, to be able... Did I drop a J-bomb? No, but then they asked me, well, what do you think happens? Well, I know where I'm going. So it's been kind of fun. Yeah. It's kind of neat. We're halfway, probably halfway through this, and this is the first time we've talked about anything like uniquely work-related, right? Like what if you're in a job that doesn't let you do this? So all the things that we're talking about now can be applied like literally everywhere, whether you're in school, whether you're in work, whether you're family or friends or whatever. Um, but we had a, I had a situation at work where a guy was, really kind of argumentative about Christianity. And there's another guy on my team who's way more, I guess, abrasive is a better word. He's not super, you know, cordial. He's a typical engineer that just wants to be right, right? And so, and so he talks differently, he acts differently. And we were having a conversation with a guy who's also the same way, but not a Christian. And so that got heated very fast. And and so I talked to him afterwards, and I'm like, look, you know, I'd really like to have a further conversation with you about this. And he's like, yeah, you know, I could talk to you because at least you don't believe that the Bible is this or that or that Jesus is or that. And I'm like, well, why would you say that? Because that's honestly exactly what I believe. Well, you're a lot nicer than that guy, and you listen, and you, and, and I'm like, that's what we're supposed to do, right? <laughs> that's what we're literally called to listen and be kind. So it's just uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about what Christianity is and, and who Jesus is and who we should be as Christians. And we have to be expecting that. So, Do you think a distinction that we need to make sure that we make too is like, and I know that you guys have talked about this in Salt from talking with Jordan, but just the difference between the fear of man and the fear of God, right? And I think we are very quick to, to consider other people's feelings towards us before we consider what God's called us to. Um, and like we shrink, we are, we are prone to shrink back in fear. Right? And so I would say, like, God has given you the Holy Spirit. Like, be, be bold in those situations. Like, be, and like, that's, that's, even thinking about that, it's like a challenge that I need to hear myself. It's like, be bold in those conversations. Like, be, uh, be someone who, like, who does, like, we, we preach the name of Jesus, right? And, like, and that is offensive to our world. And, like, we, we need to understand that, like, even Jesus says, like, before you were persecuted, like I was. Before they hated you, they hated me, right? And um, I think that's, that's an encouragement for us uh, to, like, we haven't been given a spirit of fear, right? But of power and love. And, um, and I think that uh, that's something that we can be encouraged by. Yeah. yeah. And if, if you're, like, hearing this and going, like, I want to share the gospel at work, even like even though it might cost me my job or it might cost me whatever, and you don't know how. Let me just say a few things. Take Gospel 101 in the spring. Mm -hmm. Grab your like connection group leader and literally just ask them, "Can you help me like share the gospel more fluently? Can can you help me share the gospel for the first time? Can you do that with me or you know mm -hmm. give me some tools to do that? That would be an awesome conversation. Um, we're kind of getting there already, but what would you? say to someone who like maybe has a job that right now is like asking them to to do something that's against their christian conviction so maybe it's it's a little bit different than like you can't just talk about jesus but it's like i mean an example could be even like i'm going to be a teacher soon and i have to talk about evolution or whatever and i have a different conviction about that or you name it so in nursing there's some 
things that can happen that might be um, ethically against anything that Christianity stands for. Um, and I've kind of coached, my sister is a nurse as well, and she was um, thinking about applying at a clinic here in town, and I said, I don't know if you want to work at that clinic. And she was like, why? I love babies. And I was like, eh, you might not want to work at that clinic then. And she didn't know. And so, first of all, like, know what you're signing up for. As, an, as a healthcare provider, there's a lot of different things that um, ethically I don't, I don't want to be a part of. Um, so I need to know that before I'm stepping into that and, and just being able to choose wisely what career path you're choosing. The other part of that is I don't get to choose what patients come in. And so how can I even be an example of the love of Christ? Because regardless of how somebody lives different than me, um, God loves them still. And God's going to love them far more than I ever will than anybody else in their life, and I get to be that to them. And so even though that might cause some conflict even for myself or people, then, okay, well, if I can take care of the patient and love them, then how, do, how would that be different to a coworker? Well, is it for me? And if, so kind of having some of those, those conversations in preparation, um, but in a different line of work, that might be totally different. So. Yeah, I think it's good to kind of make a distinction between uh, like doctrinal truth and what's wrong there versus your conscience and what's wrong there versus convictions or maybe opinions. Because um, convictions are also, I mean, the Bible's pretty clear that if you go against your conscience, you're sinning. Like if it's something that somebody's doing, if it's not clearly right or wrong, it may be sin for one person and not for another person because of how they approach what they're feeling, like, like what the Holy Spirit's telling them mm -hmm. to do. And so that's super important. Like, like there are certain things you're like, yeah, you don't want to do that. But there are other things like, well, you know, maybe I don't think it's wrong and, and this is why. But understand those things and know those things and don't just take the easy way out and be like, oh, that person doesn't think it's wrong, so it's not wrong, right? You can't, that's a cop out, so. And I think in that part of that, knowing those things is like, I have to know my Bible too, right? So like, how, do, how am I supposed to know what is right and what is good? in my workplace if I don't know what God's told me to do, yeah. <laughs> right? So I think challenge for you guys as you're like, uh, in like your, as you're going, coming into adulthood and like kind of, and like make, it is easy to get distracted by all the things that you have to do at this stage of your life. Like, and like my biggest encouragement to you is like, be in God's word, know what God's word says. And like, and that will be like, lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. And I think that that's like, that's a promise that we have to cling to, right? Yeah, that's good. We, we had an opportunity, like, like if you know your Bible well, um, it's just second nature to come up with things to talk about at work. There was a, we had a diversity and equity and inclusion training that we had to do. And my boss picked something that was really neat. He picked um, new engineers. So, so you're a young engineer coming into the team. Uh, what, what kinds of things are you feeling that might make you feel like you can't talk or that you know, these other people know way more because they've been here longer or whatever. That guy's got a gray beard, so he's obviously smarter than I am. That kind of stuff, right? And so I was, yeah, well, yeah, a little bit right there. So, <laughs> but, uh, but I took the opportunity to say, um, so there was, there was kind of a lull in the conversation, and my boss asked for some advice from, you know, the, the graybeards. And I sat there for a little while, and I said, well, about 2,000 years ago, this guy named Paul wrote a letter to a church. And, and in that church, he said this. And then he wrote a letter to a pastor named Timothy, and in that letter, he said this. And, and so it was that idea that says, don't let people disparage you because you're young. You've got something to say, and you're in addition to this team. We hired you for a reason, so say it, right? And, and that was an opportunity for me to just bring in this idea of there's this truth that was spoken like 2,000 years ago in a context that's not this at all, but it applies to this right now. And you just know your Bible, and you can come up with those things. And if you don't know your Bible, I think that it's really easy, especially now within the society that we live in to confuse like hot political topics with what is actually biblical and the hills that you people will die on over um yeah politics and attach jesus to it um matthew morkin he always talks about how um 
we want to offend people with the gospel and the gospel only. Like that's where we offend people is we tell the truth of the gospel and let the Holy Spirit do the rest on all of the other little details and um, whether they're political issues or sin issues, hot topic things, um, we can trust the Holy Spirit to do that work, but, but we offend people with the gospel. Yeah, that's a great point. That, that guy I was talking about before, he is more known for his politics than his savior. And so he can't talk about Jesus at work because it's so tied to all this other stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think it's probably fair to say, like, a lot of you probably aren't in the job that you're going to have in five, ten years from now, or maybe even, you know, six months from now. Who knows what? So what does it look like to, to leave a job well? Because, again, you might be leaving your job. You might be going on to something different. I've done it the wrong way. <laughs> Don't no call no show. Again, the same integrity that you would have um, staying at a job, also have that integrity when you leave a job. So, you know, not destroying property and obviously things like that. But like, you know, like, <laughs> but There's you know, like, there. That's what that like is. to to leave well, to leave that impact on people um even if it is for a reason like for convictions um um and and again fearing god more than fearing man and applying that every single day from start to finish when i applied for the job that i have now i very openly shared my faith with my future boss with the other doctors that i was working with with the other nurses i was going to work with and just said like this is, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And they know that coming in, so hopefully they know that when I leave someday as well, um, and hopefully that's the same for each and every one of you, that regardless of if you're joining a job or you're leaving a job, that you can represent Christ well because we're supposed to be glorifying him in everything that we do. Yes, I am leaving my job, and I um, gave my notice to my supervisor right before Thanksgiving, and I wanted to give her as much time as possible um, to plan for the loss of um, me on her team. And, um, and in this amount of time, like this last week, I have been probably, I feel a little convicted saying this, working harder mm -hmm. than I have worked in a really long time, like trying to just set the team up well for success mm -hmm. for the rest of the fiscal year and um, just really trying to, so that when I am gone, that they know where everything is, that they can find things, that I have worked on projects that aren't going to happen until March and June. Um, and for God's glory, like I want to set my team up well, but I also feel just really grateful for the time that I've had um, at Cornell and really grateful for the next opportunity. And um, I, I want to leave very well. And I have done it wrong too. Like. And I've watched people in our department, you put in your two weeks notice and then they like coast. Like they, they're done, they're already done, they're not working anymore. And that says a lot, um, just says a lot about people and we're, not, we're called to be different. And so I just encourage you to keep that in mind because you will have to quit jobs and there'll probably be jobs that you really don't like and you will feel done, but we're working for the Lord. I've never done that. I got nothing. So go ahead, Garrett. <laughs> I I would say really quick, just that um, if if you're curious, like, is am I leaving well? I think I can. You can very quickly ask, like, do I am I displaying Christ in the way that I'm leaving my job? Like, and am I displaying Christ in the way that I'm like finishing out? You know, as as you know, uh, Sonny said. So I think. Those are just two questions that you can ask yourself as you're walking through that. Mm. Yeah. And I think another good question, too, is, like, I mean, hopefully you're asking yourself this before it's time to leave, but, like, do people know I follow Jesus? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if they don't, by the time I'm leaving this job, how can that be different even as I'm entering a new job? Like, so it can be good. Um, we, I want to direct your attention to the screens quick. We want to throw up a slide real quick. We'll talk through this. Maybe some of you have seen it before, but this is this little triangle. I'll just quickly talk through it. So the, the bottom, most foundational like aspect of this graphic is identity. And for us as Christians, like we know 
our identity is in Christ, and it's defined by what God says in his word. It, it never changes, like it says up there. Like, who we are as, as children of God, as, as people who are, like, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that can't be changed. That doesn't, like, you know, even move at all. That's solid, secure. Then there's calling. You might feel as though you have, like, a calling on your life to do something, whether that's to be a nurse or to, you know, be an engineer or to work in ministry, whatever that is. There, there are times when you go throughout life, I think, maybe even you've in college, like, felt out, like, what's my major supposed to be? And you are set for a while, and this is what I want to do, and that, that does change. There's, there's aspects of our calling throughout periods of time that, that change. But also, like, I mean, just to, to like, kind of show you what that would be for me, what calling is like for me most foundationally is like I'm called to follow Jesus. I'm called to be a husband uh, to Candace and a father to Archie and Brooklyn. Like that's not, that's actually not going to change either. That's not like who I am foundationally so much, but it's, it's my calling for the rest of my life to do that for the glory of God. I also have assignments that change often. One of those you could even, I mean, you could even go so far as to put your current job up there. Maybe you feel like you have a calling to do a certain type of work for the rest of your life, but where you're employed is your assignment. That's kind of your, your you know, outpost. And so that, that changes often. Other things might go up there too, but what, um, I mean, what else would you guys say about just like really, first of all, being rooted and secure in, in your identity and how you've maybe grown in that as a... Um, as a person. One thing that, one thing that I just like wrote down, I was, as I was thinking through this was, um, just thinking about, I feel like there's a, there's a huge push, like in just our culture of like, follow your passion, right? Like follow your heart, you know, all of that. And I think what, what we need to understand is that like, it is less about like fulfilling, like fulfilling and following our passions like our passions, which is, you say that out loud and you're like, it sounds pretty selfish already. And then you're like following my passion and more about fulfilling God's purpose. And, uh, and I think that kind of fits well within that, like that identity that, that never changes, right? My identity as a, like, as an, an heir with Christ and like adopted son of the living God, like that's, that's not changing, right? And because of because I'm like part of the family of God, like I have a calling on my life of, of what God has placed on my on my life, right? And I think it's all none of that is actually about me, right? It's about Him and me submitting to Him. Um, I think we get caught up in our passions uh, very quickly. Right, and we take that as gospel truth over the gospel truth, right? Um, and I, I think that that kind of plays plays well into that. Yeah, in my in my job, there are things that we do um, that we don't necessarily like to do all the time. Like I, I came into my job to write software, and I ended up writing requirements for like two and a half or three years, and that was really super boring. But it didn't change who I was, mm. and I could still be a Christian at work. And this thing is funny because we had a thing that we did, an exercise where you've all seen the, like the iceberg where the, it's really big under the water and really small on top of the water. And we had all these traits that we had to put on this iceberg somewhere. And there were traits about us, like personal traits. And some of those things were like, uh, you like to watch football, you like to talk about this, you like whatever. And you were supposed to drag these and place them on this iceberg. Well, the intent of that exercise was to say, what are the things that you're supposed to keep hidden under the water? And what are the things that you're supposed to show other people and that everybody should know about you? Well, faith was one of them. I'm like, I'm dragging that to the top of the iceberg because everybody knows who I am. And that was wrong. Like, it was supposed to be under the iceberg. Like, it was supposed, nobody was supposed to be able to know who you were. And I'm like, that's really, like, if, I'm, if my identity is Jesus, everybody should know that. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I always, like, talk about him every minute of every day. It's how I act, it's, it's how I you know, behave at work with, when things come up, it's how I approach issues, it's how, it's literally everything. And so that's super important. I'm becoming more and more convinced that Jeff only does team building exercises at work. Team building engineer. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah. 
Um, so this really became apparent for me um, with the pandemic. I worked on our orthopedic unit at the hospital and um, when the pandemic started, nobody was doing surgeries. We were preserving all the propofol for if we needed to use it for COVID patients. And so my unit closed. Um, so I was like, well, what am I gonna do? I worked on the COVID floor. I was there the day, the designated COVID floor, the day that it opened and the day that it closed. And you would think as a nurse that my calling is to take care of patients. My calling that, like my identity never changed regardless of where I was, but my calling was to care for the nurses and for the team members that were coming that were scared to death to take care of these COVID patients and to speak truth into their life. And every day I would come home just emotionally drained because I didn't do any patient care. I mean, I learned about the COVID and all that stuff, but I was caring for those people that were caring for others. And I would say all the time, like, what do we know for sure? What do we know for sure? What do we know for sure? Because everybody would come in with all these extra things that they were adding on to things. And so even though I wasn't quoting scripture at them, I was quoting scripture at them. Mm. What do we know for sure? the Bible. What do we know about what this pandemic is showing us? What do we know about how we're coping with all of this? Um, so my assignment changed. It changes often at my job. My calling and caring for people kind of shifts in different ways from employees to coworkers to patients to their families. My identity never changes regardless of whether I'm working at my job or working with my children, working at church those types of things. I would say too, our temptation to discontent happens when like there is, there's discord between like our calling and our assignment, right? Where, or at least we feel that way, right? Um, I, one of my favorite like, like people that I have never met is Elizabeth Elliot. And um, we, so much so that we named a kid after like her and her husband and our son Elliot. Mm -hmm. And um, she has, she's said something, and we have it written in our house, and um, I think it's just something that like, speaks really well to this, um, and says, this job has been given to me to do. Therefore, it's a gift. Therefore, it's a privilege. Therefore, it is an offering I may make to God. Therefore, it is to be done gladly if it is done for him. Here, not somewhere else, I may learn God's way. In this job, not in some other, God looks for faithfulness. And that, that sense of like, it can be very easy when like something gets hard or difficult to like, oh, the grass is always greener. The grass is always greener. The grass is always greener. Cut toxic people out of your life. Cut toxic things out of your life. Like we've all heard, we've heard that through in our culture, right? It's like, I have to hold those like cultural lies like up to God's word. I have to hold those cultural lies up to what God says. And that's like, that's my discontent is only going to come, or my content, contentment is only going to come from him, right? It's only going to come from my identity, even when my calling seems like I'm not seeing what's supposed to be happening. I'm not seeing what my, my assignment was. You know, we're like, we're in uh, the story of Joseph. You think Joseph felt like great about like where he was at with his calling and his assignment while he was in jail? No way, right? But like he was faithful, right? And that's what God's looking for. Like God looks for faithfulness in your in the position that He has you. That's good. How many of you guys? Let, can I ask a question of the yeah, panel too? Sure. And maybe this goes out to you guys too. But how many of you, just because of your just relationship with Jesus and the fact that maybe people know that. How many times have you found yourselves in situations where you're counseling, but you're not a counselor, or you're consoling, but you're, you know, how many times have you found that in your job? Every day, yeah. all the time, with students, with coworkers, um, donors, alumni, like it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That should be a clue, right? I mean, like that's, they come to you because you're known to be the kind of person who they can talk to or can have a shoulder to cry on or mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice, right? So. And I think like to that, so often when I go into work, I have a job to do, but it gets derailed because the assignment changes based on who God is putting in mm -hmm. my life and the situations all around. And so just being able to 
submit to that because sometimes it like my flesh wants to be frustrated if I have, well, this was my plan for my lunch hour, you know, but then this person needs me. And so it, it can be, it's a submission and obedience um, issue. And it happens all the time. And I think to fight in those situations, to fight against the temptation, to just give like platitudes, right? There's a sense of like, it'll all work out. Or, um, or even like, yeah, you don't deserve this. You know, like that we kind of like start to, we start to feed people the lies too. Um, and I think we need to be really careful of, hey, how am I actually speaking the truth in love in this, in this situation? How am I actually speaking the truth in love to this person who's come to me in like, in a really tough spot? And it's like, actual comfort comes from Christ, not from like cultural isms. Right, and I think, um, and those are just things that we like hear that we don't really necessarily challenge in our own head and in our own hearts. Um, that I think is a is a good practice for us to to do that. Right. Yeah. One thing, just practically, that that you guys can do is ask the question. Like, if somebody came to me with this problem, what would I say? Or where would I go? Or and and the first place you should go is well, where in the Bible does it address this issue? Like, it might not, but it might. And that should be your first, your first go, right? What does the Bible say about this? Well, then how can, I, how can I fit that to that person's question or that person's pain or that person's joy or whatever, like whatever the case may be? Yeah, that's super good. Well, guys, we are at the end of our time. So real quick, give it up for everyone on our panel. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Um, we're going to do this again next week, different topic, glorifying God with money, same place, same time. I want to pray for us as we end our night, and they'll be around just for at least a little bit afterwards. If you want to ask them a question you have, I'm sure you could pull them aside. So let me pray for us. God, I'm thankful for who you are. You are good and faithful. Thank you that uh, you've sent your son for us that you've given us such a, a great salvation that we can know you and um, live for you, that we can um, yeah, work for you and, and please you because you've opened our eyes to see uh, you and how much better you are than, than the things uh, in this world. So i got to pray that you would uh, just be with us as we, as we leave tonight, that we would... Um, in all of the, the ways that you've called us to um, serve you, all the ways that you've um, called us to, to work and be about the flourishing of this world, that you would help us to do that. Um, just first and foremost, relying on your strength and being uh, people who want to uh, just reflect uh, the image of Christ to other people. So, God, thank you so much for tonight. I pray this in your name. Amen.